0: Welcome back to Dead Trust. It's Sunday, July eighteenth. I'm Hammer. These are my boys, Dusty and Gnome. But for the first time, we have a guest, uh, Eric Hill. Do um, you want to just introduce yourself quickly, man?
1: Yeah, my name's Eric from Southwest Washington, um, the middle of insanity between <laughs> Portland and Seattle. Oh yeah, fuck. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. You know, uh, <laughs> pretty much uh, turning 49 in September. Uh, spent six years in the Army as a ammo team chief for a uh, M109E4A5, 155-millimeter self-propelled howitzer. Uh, That's got pretty badass, Shina. man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, oh. can't ask for more fun than that. Um, happy to be here, guys. Man, we're happy, happy to, to have, have you, Dan.
3: Well, uh I guess uh we'll start out the night with a little bit of uh you know, just you gave us a little background right right away, but um uh, I you know, I kinda wanna know like before we get um you know into the whole uh afterlife experiences, um, you know, what 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 kind of things uh brought you to this point? Um what you know it, you know, what, what kind what, of things what a- I'm uh, kind of I'm, I'm uh, kinda getting Brian. a little bit of feedback here. Um do you have stuff going through your speakers or Yeah. it's I don't care. Sorry. All right. All right, cool. Um yeah, I guess basically what I say is give us a little background of like, you know, um how you developed your issue and uh where what, you know, how how it led you down to the road to uh you know, dying twice and uh coming back from it, so.
1: Yeah. Well, Uh, I started smoking really young, um, August of 1979. I remember that because it was also the first time I took a bong hit. Um, (laughs) At one point in time, I was not actually smoking, but going through upwards of six packs a day. Smoking three to easy. Um, Stress, anxiety. Well, military service isn't, isn't exactly easy. And when you're in a field unit, there's really nothing to do to kill time but smoke or play cards. Um, I managed to quit for a, about a year and a half. I uh, didn't smoke for the six months between basic and AIT. Uh, other than that, I've had a cigarette in my face. Um, even now, I still smoke. I'm not anywhere near. The no whole bad day is like maybe six or seven. You know, but. Uh, November 16th of 2016, I uh, died from heart failure and uh, a pneumothorax just a collapsed lung. And. Uh, And then (laughs) December 6th of 2016, I was clinically dead for four minutes and 37 seconds due to cardiac arrest and lung failure. Mm -hmm. Or those don't freaking smoke. (laughs)
4: Get (laughs) off of them. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we were even kind of discussing this before the show. Um, You know, all of us are smokers. And uh, Mm -hmm. knowing myself, we've we've, uh, had addiction issues with, uh, I mean, you know, drug, drug addiction issues. And uh, I've been clean now for ah, going on six years and nicotine is the one thing that it's almost impossible to put down. You know, it's, Uh, it's, uh, it has a uh, grip on me like nothing else.
1: It's crazy. I mean, you would think, Oh, they can't taste it. They can't, can't taste that good. And to me, they don't.
4: I agree. Yeah, it's
1: it's it's that. I I am a slave to nicotine.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. You know, if I don't die with a cigarette in my hand, it's going to be shocking. Right. Right. Um. But yeah, the the first time in November, uh, I didn't really even see it coming. Um, I was sitting on the bed. And I started to feel a little bit lightheaded, shaky. I'd had problems breathing up until then, you know, and uh, it was like, I just couldn't take a full breath or I would start panting when I was laying down. Um, And then that, that night I was, I was sitting on the bed, started getting like this cold sweat and that's, that's indicative of, uh, cardio problems. You know, instant like armpit sweat or just a cold sweat in general mm-hmm. um you're having some pulmonary issues i started getting really lightheaded. couldn't feel my lips couldn't feel my tongue and my fingernail beds were a funky funky shade of dark blue um it's called cyanosis it's your body is actually rejecting oxygen at that point um I passed out. Next thing I know, I'm coming too. The medics are over me in the ambulance with the paddles ready to juice me. They're like, oh, okay. Run me into the ER. I'm checked out. The face the had passed. They kept me over in ICU for a couple of days. They released me after that. Had an appointment with my pulmonologist he took me off of one of the meds and put me on another one that had just been cleared for human trial. Um, lipta or something like that. Um, real shaky. I was on that for a week. I, had, and I, I told my doc, look, this isn't, I don't feel right. I don't feel right at all. And, that, and then December, when December came around, I've been on it for three weeks, and been weaning off of uh, another med. And I had gone into the hospital real early that morning, one thirty or so. And the nurse that I got was brutal. I don't know if you guys know what an arterial blood gas is.
4: They oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've okay. had one myself. They, yeah, uh, well, they so- hurt
1: yeah well this lady had to stick me twice to get one yep same with me that's just brutal Mm -hmm. the doctor i got was even worse than that you know we got into arguments you know i'm not here for a drug overdose i'm here because i can't breathe yep you know this isn't anxiety it's not anything you know i ended up i ended up signing an ama slip and just getting out of there to avoid, you know, getting into an altercation with this lady. Uh, by then it was seven in the morning. We had stopped to get uh, something to eat. I still, I couldn't eat. I didn't have an appetite. I uh, was just dizzy. I was just human at this hospital. I hate this place. I wouldn't take my dead dog to get autopsied here. You know. <laughs> we get back to the house. The wife goes to lay down. It's been a rough night for both of us. She lays down. I'm sitting out here. You know that short of breath that you guys get after you you just run your asses off or you you you, like 45 minutes of the most strenuous work you, you can imagine. You know, you're just sitting there.
2: Oh
4: yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. Well that's how I was breathing when I left the hospital. Um, I made a post about her on Facebook and if anybody wants to check it, I'll give them links to the, to the post. Um, I sat here and said, if, if I'm going to die, just, just take me out right now, you know, heart attack, stroke, whatever, just suffocating to death is bullshit. I had to get on my hands and knees because I was so dizzy I couldn't stand up. Crawled into the bedroom, got my wife on the shoulder, said, Go ahead and keep sleeping. But just know when you wake up, I'm going to be dead. And uh, she woke up. This is where things start getting a little bit fuzzy. I was on a breathing treatment and uh, I'm trying to just maintain composure, you know, an even study rhythm instead of just hyperventilating. Um, anxiety started to kick in. Cold sweat started to kick in. I got dizzier by the fucking second. I couldn't feel my face. My hands were turning ice cold. Uh, my skin—I'm—I'm I'm naturally a little bit dusky. My skin was flat gray. Uh, I ended up having to lay on the floor, take my shirt off because I was just roasting. Oh, this is December that year. It was 17 degrees that morning and snowing. I was roasting. Connie had the window open and a fan blowing, and I was sweating my ass off. I just looked at her, held her hand and said, I love you. And that's really the last thing I remember until I woke up at the hospital with the medics. Again, they had just given, taken a, a needle out of an IV port and they'd shot me up with 50 milligrams of adrenaline to start my heart. They had the paddles ready in case that didn't, they were, they were not messing around. You know, just four minutes and 37 seconds without oxygen. You know, we need to get this guy some air. Run me into a, a room that everybody was ready. There were so many people in this room, they, they couldn't let my wife in. <laughs> and uh, a bunch of stuff was done. I don't know exactly what, but they told me that my O2 was at 72. And we needed, they needed to get it up. And the only way they could do that is if they intubated me. But to do that, they were going to have to put me in a coma. And they said, You need to know that if we take this out after a week, we can put it back in and take it out a week later. And if you still can't breathe on your own, what do you want us to do? You know, Washington State has that two weeks on our ICU ventilator and then you got to start making some decisions so i said go ahead they gave me a sedative i remember saying telling connie that i love her again and that we'll make it we'll get through this that's the last thing i remember that was on a sunday when i came to it was a thursday evening Um, I was under soft restraints, uh, basically pretty handcuffs, because even under a fentanyl twenty four hour uh, fentanyl drip, I was still trying to pull out the tube from my neck. And uh, the nurse told me that I must have an amazing endurance because most patients after after their heart gives out their lungs just quit working. Uh, to come back like that, it's just amazing. I started piecing together what had happened and this is where it gets
5: really interesting.
1: I think that the afterlife is really subjective. If you subscribe to the Bible, you can read about it. But again, I think it's totally subjective. Um, It wasn't so much a tunnel with a dark, with a bright light at the end. It was more like in probably tall people standing over me. And it was their shadows that I was walking through. And it wasn't so much a bright light at the end of the tunnel as it was just a reflection of something massive when I got to the end, that's when it hit me. I'm just staring at these walls and they're just massive, massive. I, I, it would take too long for a human to build something like this, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it couldn't be done in a hundred lifetimes thinking yeah somebody tries to take this place down they're not gonna get through that you know this is what the Great Wall of China is supposed to be you know this is this is what this is this is the gates and as I'm sitting there just marveling at these things I hear the softest whisper like if you were in the world's quietest room and you just breathe the word It was that soft, but the voice was so loud. It shook me. And all it said was now that you've seen, do you believe? I woke up, and that's when I woke up. I was shaking. (laughs) I was shaking. Here I am. You know, I got to bullshit up for six years. You know, I've seen the senior side of, of life for a long time. You know, that was my omen. I cried during fucking Panda commercials. You know, those cheesy little freaking, <laughs> oh my God, my world is just collapsing commercials. Oh yeah, I was a bawling fucking mess. I would cry at it as songs playing on the freaking TV. It was horrible. It was horrible. I don't want to be that emotional ever again, but at that, at the same time, I felt like, yeah, okay, I'm actually alive. This is bittersweet. You know, they say that the fear of death is man's oldest fear. I don't fear death. In fact, I fear the act of dying more than I fear death. Right, right. You well know? the first time i croaked, it wasn't as long it was three minutes and 30 and, and 17 seconds um but i got to see the other side and
4: that's Trip, not man. fun <laughs> so uh, so the first one you described that was the second time yeah. correct yeah because yeah. I, I remember you and i've been friends on facebook for years five, dude, pro- years <laughs> years and i i remember Uh, When all this was happening, uh, and uh, I will (laughs) just kind of jokingly say that, uh, uh, you know, Connie would keep everybody because we we were in a particular Facebook group, and uh, we have a lot of mutual friends through that, but she would uh, keep everybody kind of posted from your phone for your your account. So I would Mm -hmm. say, man, that's uh, one of those things that... Honestly, I don't know if I'd ever want my wife or girlfriend getting a hold of my phone if I was in a situation like that. So, I mean, I know that you you uh, must have nothing to hide and mm-hmm. trust your wife. So, I'll say, man, kudos to you for that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, she kept us updated on everything that was going on, man. And it yeah. was uh, it was a scary time. And there was a lot of people that, uh, uh, you know, if you want to say thoughts and prayers or whatever, but, you know, I mean, they, yeah. they were thinking about you in that time. And uh, she'd even posted some pictures of you. Uh, when you were hooked up to all that shit, dude, and it was fucking frightening, just seeing the pictures of of what you were having to go through, so
1: you know when when you came, when it was all said and done, and when I was able to actually speak, <laughs> you know being under that long, everybody jokes about, oh man, I give my left nut to be in a fucking going, no, you don't right No, you don't that long. I mean, they, get, they hook you up to these little things to rotate your calves yeah. so you don't get blood clots in your legs. And depending on how long you're under, they do rotate you so you don't get pressure sores. Sure. You know, but that long, it, it, even four and a half days was long enough for my muscles to atrophy. Right. You know, it was a struggle to get from a bed to a chair and they were 18 inches apart. You know, um, it took a day and a half before I was able, actually able to speak without my throat just being inflamed. Right. You know, the doctor said, look, you've got a long, long row. You know, you were, you were out for a while, you know, and he said, despite the coma, he said, you were oxygen deprived. For almost five minutes. That's going to have repercussions, and it has. You know, I still bitch about it. But there are days that I just don't like speaking to people because I run over my words. Um, there's days that I can type okay, and then there's there's days that I misspell words or just leave words out altogether. Raging headaches are the norm. You know. Um, I've got permanent cramps underneath my shoulder blades from where my lungs were actually pinched between themselves and the the outer walls of my muscles. You know, it's, it's pain. It's a lot of pain all the time and I don't recommend
4: it. Yeah, no, I mean, I know you've been pretty vocal Um, I would say on Facebook, especially, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's obvious times that you could tell when, Oh yeah. With you that, yeah, you're, you're kind of on a roller coaster, more or less, I guess is the best way to put it, but it's, it's, you know, it's obvious that you've had to deal with a lot of things. And I think even me getting back to what you were saying earlier about not being afraid of actually dying, you know, I mean, I know that you've even put some posts up to where you kind of talk about that. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm, just, you know it's... I'm gonna get really dark here. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah,
4: that's fine, yeah, that's fine totally. with us. <laughs> there
1: are days and I have a I have a home health care provider or a whole health care coordinator that comes over and she
4: has to ask me all the time, you know, do you uh, do you have any suicidal thoughts? Oh fuck mm-hmm. yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I was getting at without coming out to say it. But yeah, you could tell there's, you've got good days and you've got bad days. You yeah.
1: Know. The, the good days, even the good days are, would be crappy by a lot of standards. Yeah. You know, there's always a low key headache. And that's just from a lack of oxygen, you know. And I don't know if you guys are aware of it, but there's actually two there's actually two different kinds of emphysema and they present differently. There's what's called the blue sinker. And they have all the oxygen or the lung uh, capacity and lung function. They just have a hard time getting the oxygen down. Mm -hmm. And then there's me, I'm a pink puffer. Anyway, I don't have hardly any lung function and my lung capacity is shit but my o2 is only on a good day it's 93. Mm -hmm. you know people get concerned at 96 you know mine's been way lower you know Uh, and if i stay on my breathing treatments and take my medicines like i'm supposed to i can get 96 and i'm happy right yeah, but those low days, man, like 92 all freaking day. If it's humid, I'm miserable. You know, it's like breathing through a wet sock. Yeah, it just I don't if man. If you can quit now, quit. <laughs> save yourself, save your family. Because I'm telling you what, there isn't there isn't really a week to go by that I just I just think you know fuck this. Yeah. But then I think about the other side, you know, that's days missed with my wife, even though I don't visit them, that's days that, you know, I could potentially hang out with my brothers or my family, you know, that's a day more on the web, even though I'm miserable, I'm here, I know, uh, my personal belief is that god gave us life and we should be able to use it until we no longer need it you know everybody agrees that to play the game you got to get out sometime and i'm going to use my days
4: yeah no yeah i I agree with that you know and it's uh like a you know most listeners know i'm i say my age a lot you know i'm 38 years old man and it's been a journey uh, just on my own on on trying to you know it's it's one to figure out why one why are we here but but two ultimately you know it, it comes down to and my thought process and and i mean just how i was raised on you know the religious side of it on on I think that I'm here for for some purpose, and it's it's finding that purpose is is kind of where my quest and my journey's been.
1: Uh, well, yeah, that's that's everybody's role. Yeah, I mean, you know, what is the purpose of life? You know, that's an
4: ultimate Zen
1: koan if I've ever yeah. heard one. Now, you have
4: know? with with your experience, do do you feel like you personally? Have something that's i mean obviously you've had two chances to come back I mean, do you feel like there's something that you have to get done or need to get done before your ultimate time's taken away from you, or I mean what what you kind know, of feeling do you have on that? I think about that a
1: lot you know, there wouldn't be any other reason why i, I would be you know they're just there they just wouldn't be you know. Uh, i've abused myself to the point it is just stupid you know um and ghani and i talked about that quite a bit you know like you need to figure out what it is you need to do so you can do it and just die you know right. I mean, right. Yeah, it's dark and we're morbid about it but you know it's real it is what it is and uh it's it's in finding that purpose of why we were we are here that i think we are here mm-hmm. does that make any sense no a 100% yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so what it is i'm i'm supposed to do i don't really know maybe who knows i'm doing
3: it.
1: yeah you know? i
4: mean
3: i was i was uh, going to say i was going to say eric man i mean you know what you're doing right now most definitely could be the purpose i mean going going through the tribulations the suffering whatever and getting this message out to people uh people like us who you know who have been addicted to cigarettes and everything else for a long time and uh i mean they get to see what it is if you don't if you don't quit living that kind of lifestyle Uh, Uh,
1: it's 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 not fun on that aside
0: i'm thinking just the like the little glimpse of the other side bringing a little fragment of hope to a completely faithless existence that we're all going through surrounded I, yeah. by at least
1: yeah you know and i i've read a lot of different books on the subject you know and i've i've talked to other people there's there's survivor groups on the internet everywhere you know man and they're all some of them are pretty helpful, and some of them are there more to try to debunk everything rather than give in support, you know. Um, and once you find those kinds of, of groups, it just turns you off, you know. Yeah, there's Cancer Awareness Days, you know. Dusty's seen it. There are days that I actually prayed that I had cancer. You know, this it's as twisted a statement as it can possibly be. But at least with cancer, I would have a fighting chance. You know, there are treatments. There are are things that work. You know, I personally know a bunch in my family that's had cancer and then lived through it. You know, emphysema, if they don't catch it in time, it's a death sentence, pure and simple. You know, there is a event horizon where the lung damage that you cause through stupid fucking choices, they won't come back. You know, um, some of the phlegm that I hawk up daily are dead alveoli. Yeah. It's the shit that changes the carbon dioxide back into oxygen. Mm. You know, when you start sloughing those off and gagging on, you know, shit's just, just fucking real. Yeah, you know, and it's like, why? You know, I got told for years, oh, you just got a chest infection, or they do x rays and say, oh, you might got pneumonia. You You know, for years it went on like this. It wasn't until I was 38, maybe 39, I went in. I could again, I just I couldn't breathe. It wasn't asthma because I, I, you know, I'd hit my inhaler like I'm supposed to. And, uh, Doc got, got my X-ray raised back and he says, damn, your lungs look like stretched out tube socks. <laughs> like, this isn't, good, <laughs> this isn't good, man. This <laughs> isn't good. So that's what set everything in motion. And when I got diagnosed, I got diagnosed in, uh, uh, January of 2015, and I had went on a yeah, on a trip uh, back east to visit some friends, and uh, yeah, when I came back, that's when everything happened. It's like in the span of six months, my life went from okay, well, you know, I can probably get by if uh, if I just do what I'm supposed to quit smoking and all that shit too. Oh, you've been fucking dead twice, bro. <laughs> um, something's got to change here. you what do you want to do? You know, um, I had I had a PFT, and um, the womanologist the set an appointment. I had my mom with me. This is when I was given my prognosis. I had my mom with me. She was a retired respiratory therapist. And uh, he just looked at me and he says, um, well, bad news is you have late stage emphysema. Even if you do quit smoking, the damage is irreversible. Um, because quality of life is what we're after now. Right. He's like we're we're beyond we're beyond treatment. You know, we can give you, we can give you breathing treatments and steroids to make you comfortable. But uh, my prognosis is if uh, you live to C50, you're gonna be miserable.
4: You know? uh, thanks, and- Doc. <laughs> yeah Sorry. exactly yeah, well, yeah that's, you know. thanks doctor well fucking... you know
1: I'm a pretty blunt fucking guy you know? um, and after you're getting shafted by the green weenie for six years like you can take pretty much just anything yeah you know and I don't need a sugar coating and I'm actually glad you did because it was a slap in the face what do you do to mm. that what do you say to that you know, what do you say to the man that just gave you a fucking death sentence?
4: Yeah.
1: Well, you're going to be dead in five years if you don't shape up.
4: All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of <laughs> makes me think about, uh, Breaking Bad. If, uh i'm sure all of y'all watch breaking bad but when they yeah. uh they were giving him the cancer diagnosis the doctor had a spot of mustard on his tie and that's all <laughs> brian cranston could fucking think about was that spot of mustard when the the doctor's giving him this horrible fucking news you know i mean what do you do in that situation yeah i remember
1: that uh he looked at me. I looked at him. I turned around. I turned to my side and I looked at my mom and she's just sitting there holding the report of my test. And she looked at me and she says, you're a dead man. She goes, I told you for the better part of 15 years, you better quit smoking mm-hmm. or you're a dead man. She goes, your best hope now is that you die of a heart attack or stroke. Right. You know, it's like,
5: It was a reality check. It was. Uh, it was one of the harder days that I've had. And uh, honestly, man,
4: this miserable shit. I don't wish on anybody. Yeah. So you I, started out, um, I guess, with your second uh, death experience. Yeah, my world. first. Yeah, the the first it's, yeah. it's a little darker. Uh, it was way darker, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: sorry for the tangent. No, 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 no. It's fine, man. No, I mean, man, you got the you got that's...
4: the platform here. You're good. Whatever you want to like us, we said before the show, man. You know, uh, you're a guest on here, man. You you can take it where you want to take it. All right. So the first time,
1: I was gone for three minutes and 17 seconds, and that was all the time that I needed. Um. Like I said, I do fully believe that the afterlife is subjective,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, regardless of what you read. I think that everybody would interpret it differently. Um, for me, hell wasn't the burning lake of fire or the smell of sulfur or, you know, lucifers, nine sets of leather wings. and wasn't anything like that, man. It was dark. It was cold. It was cramped and it fucking stunk like uh, an old rotted employee locker room at a defunct fish cannery. It was horrible. And only looking back on it could I understand what, I, what it was that I was smelling. And it was, it was remorse, contrition and fear. You know, fear of what am I looking forward to for the next eternity? You know, what have, what have I done? The, the contrition comes from the, the what have I done in my life to deserve this? You know, and then there's the remorse of I, I did this to me. You know, and it's no man that wants to admit their fault on any wrongdoing, but that's exactly what you're being forced to face up to. This is this is what you this is what you earned, you know, and that's exactly why I think it's subjective. You know, um, you guys like um, oh um, Ed Dean or Wesley mm-hmm. Allen Dodd. You know, Albert Fish, they probably faced a worse hell than I did. You know, Um, because I'm a nice guy, I tend to play by the rules. (laughs) Uh, But that,
5: yeah, that,
1: it's that smell that I remember. You know, everybody's got their own something that triggers a memory. Mm-hmm. You know, if I smell a bad sock, that memory comes back. And it's so weird. It's so weird, and I hate that smell. I I absolutely hate that smell. There's a dirty sock. I don't know if you guys live near a pulp mill or sawmill, where they burn hot fuel or anything like that. Um, it, paper mill yeah okay that you know when uh gets ready to rain and that really harsh like bad egg fart yeah yeah that doesn't even come close bro yeah yeah you're not even close it's
4: just so on that second go around did did you see anyone on that one i know and and Oh, I'm sorry on the first go round because in the no, it was the second dark. Description it was it was just dark and yeah, I, it was a feeling and that sound. I could
1: make out really was shapes of people and walkways. You know, mm. other than that, I really couldn't. I really couldn't see much. Not like there was torchlight or anything like that. I wasn't around long enough. Right. So. But, uh, I saw what I needed to see. I smelled what I needed to see, and I heard the cries of people that had been mortally wounded right you know that's that's a sound I don't know if you guys have ever heard a rabbit scream. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. that's yeah. horrible yeah it, that's it, it is a sound that pierces your soul mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, I think about that not as often as the, as the, the second one but every once in a while i'll, I'll be watching a movie and i'll hear that. i'll hear somebody that's been shot stabbed falling off a building or something like that scream, and it's that just absolute mortal guttural cry you know is it that's that's for real you know, like the last shreds of your humanity has been
5: squeezed out of you. It's, it's real. It was real. So.
4: Now, do you... I don't know exactly how to word this. Um, do, you, do you think, um, obviously since this happened twice, that, that there's some ultimate reason why you were allowed to see both sides of things? or that, that you were given that opportunity. I mean, I mean, I know that's kind of a, a deep question and, you know, it could be subjective obviously, but um, I guess that gets back to where we were talking about maybe possibly having an ultimate goal in life and things like that. But uh, I know there's a, a ton of people that have had near death or death experiences, but uh, having to, you know, that's
1: uh, uh, that's um. I don't know, like maybe my faith needed to be tested, you know. Mm-hmm. Um it's like uh God's like hey, tell you what, bro, I'm gonna kill you and I'm gonna show you no You know, and then I'm gonna kill you again and I'm gonna show you the other side. Right. You know, and I really I really think that's why I heard what I heard. Yeah. You know, I heard those guttural moans and screams, and you know, and then I just, I, I heard those words and ever since then I have
5: tried subconsciously to steer away
1: from situations that my, my cause me to make seriously wrong choices sure sure you know what i mean because like i said i'm not scared of dying i know what's waiting for me you know now whether that i i honestly believe that's part of my faith you know um some people believe that hell is reserved for the sons of perdition um people that have, have known God like clergymen mm-hmm. and then have turned their back on that would be a son right. of tradition. Um I think that truly evil people you know I I I don't think Hitler deserved any any less than hell. You know if there was a special level you know um purely evil people go to hell. I and mean, that's what they have waiting for them. If their if theirs was anything like mine,
4: um, their eternity is gonna suck. <laughs> yeah, eternity, man. That's that's something. Uh, you know, my my outlook on things have changed here recently. Just, and I've talked about it often, but my yeah. grandfather passing away and being beside of somebody when they die. So, just um, my whole thought process. Uh, just being around that has has changed, and I'm um, trying to explore different avenues of things right now. Yeah, um, it's it's a paradigm shift. It really is. Yeah, and and obviously, I mean, seeing somebody die uh, was powerful enough for me to start questioning things or trying to find answers. And uh, yeah. it's one of the one of the reasons why you know I'd, I'd wanted you to come on the show because uh, you've been there. Um, and, and I know that my experience on just being with somebody when they die and then actually dying are, are two different things, but I know the impact that seeing somebody pass away has had on my life here recently. And, and I, I can only imagine, uh, what kind of impact actually going through something that you've went through has had. And, I uh, uh, you know, I can understand, uh, just, uh, where your mind I guess could go after something like that it goes places, yeah.
1: yeah um honestly it it took it took a while before things started falling into place, and uh after six months, i was I will never be hundred percent right, So that's just that's that be foolish things. You know, the best I can hope for is maybe 85 90. Yeah. You know, I use spell check a lot more these days. And uh I use, you know, I I'll forget, you know, my long-term memory is an elephant, my short term is an overcapinated gerbil on that. Right. You know, right. I, <laughs> uh, So I have to constantly be reminded if it's not written down, there's a better than good chance I'm going to forget it. Mm -hmm. Um, Anxiety is bad, you know, and I had to go in for a PET scan. I don't know if you guys ever ever had one, but they uh, they look for specific brain function Mm -hmm. Um, and I've got two spots they show absolutely no activity and that's from a prolonged lack of oxygen right you know nobody can be you know you're aware that there's two types of death right there's clinical and then there's biological yeah you, well, yeah i am yeah. aware but okay. as clinical, far as like
4: the difference uh... yeah,
1: clinical clinical death is no heart rate and no respiration
4: mm-hmm Biological, which is
1: a legal, legal death, right. is no heart rate, no lung function, and no brain activity. Okay, yeah, that's when a coroner can say, "Okay, well, he's legally dead." Right.
4: right. Okay.
1: Um,
5: I was reading
1: that people with longer than that have gone longer than five minutes. Without oxygen, they sh- they show brain damage, right? right? And that's that's to be expected. It's where the spots occurred mm-hmm. that that affects different people. Like um, I could have been, been a phasic I could have been a paraplegic, yeah. You know, I this or that. So I'm lucky that all I have is you know, some cognitive and spatial relation issues and. And so, what if I run over myself, you know, word wise or, you know, typing wise? And I guess, you know, it's pretty vain, but I used to be an English major in college, you know, and for me to use spell check now is just like, it's aggravating. Sure, and sure. it just gets back to the, my point, you know, that I was trying to make before the show that this disease takes so much more from you before it takes your life right you know um i'm gonna get really personal and just flat out say that i really don't have the sex life it's not from a lack of desire it's because
4: mm-hmm.
1: afterwards i can't fucking breathe
4: right right
1: you know and you know getting mine, mind but then having to you know use a take a breathing treatment and you know, getting my anxiety bill because my heart rate's over 140. It's just not worth it. Right. It's just not worth it, you know. Um, my pants don't fit, right, because my lungs sink, you know. So uh, pajama bottoms and shorts, that's, that's what I got to wear. Right. You know, um, I don't go out. I don't go places very often because I don't like the stairs. You know, going down is a pain in the ass. Coming up is bitch.
4: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: Uh, So, you know, slowly, slowly, it takes little bits of your life from you. And then it just snuffs you out altogether. Yeah. So, So again, man, some of the symptoms that you don't see in, like, doctor's office ads or commercials on TV about COPD, just look at your fingernails. And if the fingernails up by your first knuckle, if the beds are a, are a funky shade of blue, or you can't feel your lips, to tingle, or your tongue, and maybe your tongue tingles all day, that's a lack of oxygen. You're going into cyanosis. If the light like around your nostril starts getting cold or your fingertips starting getting cold, again, the, you're going into cyanosis. Your body is shutting down parts of your body the extreme parts of your body to conserve its oxygen right you know go get checked you know if you feel like you just ran a mile after you've gone out and got the paper go get checked go get checked if you can quit freaking smoking you know uh,
5: talk to your doctor if you
4: just talk to your yeah it brings me back again to what we keep talking about how nicotine has such a a fucking just a handle and a control over some many people's <laughs> lives you uh were dealing with some issues at one point with a fucking neighbor that was still in cigarette butts from you that you were posting all over facebook and it was kind of a saga as oh I my remember.
5: god it, uh, I mean, that's I on a little bit this.
4: of a, yeah, It's a little bit on a lighter note, but I know that you had to write some notes and you oh. even posted those notes online, but somebody was stealing your fucking cigarette butts out of your little yeah porch ashtray. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even really an ashtray, man. It was just
1: a coffee can with water in it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I had to write a note. I got a picture of it on Facebook too. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? If you are desperate enough to dive into this fucking cigarette can and get my butts, you're more than welcome to it, man. I dumped my cold coffee in there. I hawk lung butter in there. I yeah, spit yeah. in <laughs> there. It was hardcore, <laughs> man. And the fucking things just kept miss- coming up missing, right? <laughs> so finally, <clears throat> this is so evil. Finally, I just made a cigarette, right? had a little tobacco in there, some chili flake. Some cumin, some cubic air, <laughs> some more uh, uh, tobacco. <laughs> Just pushed it and, you know, made a cigarette like that and put it on the ledge, right? I'm out there having to smoke. That cigarette was gone. Gone. <sighs> nice. In, inside of 45 minutes, right? I'm sitting, I'm standing out on my front balcony having a cigarette. And I hear this ungaudgy talking coming from the next quad over, right? And they're like, "Who the fuck puts pubic hairs in a cigarette?" On the <laughs> I did, bitch. <laughs> uh, the... <laughs> she moved later. Never oh, so, back. So
4: it was a woman.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, nice. notorious. She had moved across the street from my best friend while all this was going on. Yeah. Yeah, she, He's like. <laughs> A month and a half later, he's like, "You know what? She's still doing it. She comes over wow. to my place all the time." I'm like, "Are you serious?" He suffers from lung issues, you know. And he spits. He spits in his butt can too. She's taking what the hell? Every if you You're right, that I desperate, that. I will buy you a pack. Yeah. That's,
3: yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a that's a straight yeah, up crackhead right. shit, right there.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> gnarly, man. <laughs> no, I've been there. I've been there. You know, you're broke. You yeah. need you're needing a cigarette. Yeah, okay. Stop by a safe way Kroger, whatever. Minimart. You know, there's one in the It's like, fuck, okay. Well, nobody's fish with it, so. <laughs> snake. Yeah. But this shit, man, like these cigarettes weren't like that in a... Yeah, yeah. They were soaking in water and spit and coffee, yeah. tea, coke. Long wasters, and you know, when I say long butter, I mean, you could, brother, you can seal a battleship with my fucking loogie. It's
4: hardcore, man. I've used it for glue. Might
0: <laughs> as well be picking them out of a storm drain. Uh, yeah,
4: <laughs> that's that's one thing, man. I've really, um, <laughs> I guess I, I've got a soft heart for people on just on the the nicotine thing because I, I I know fucking how it is to be out of cigarettes and shit and like i said dude um i'll cough up some money for somebody um if they ask me for a cigarette you know that's one thing that i'll freely fucking give out and if they need money for it you know i, I... Dude,
0: wait till they stop making them well, <laughs> that's, that gonna, happen. that's gonna cause a real revolution yeah
3: no i that don't I don't, a
1: riot. On I don't know, know if you seen. guys
3: I don't know if you guys have seen it, but, uh, so I, I was looking at some articles the other day and, and RJ Reynolds is getting into the, uh, medical profession now. So you can, uh, they're offering care, so you can, uh, you can go and you know, go through a situation like Eric has, and then RJ Reynolds will treat you for it. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about, really? talk about some fucked up shit, dude. Like,
0: it could be a conflict of interests. Uh, yeah, but yeah.
1: <laughs> we're going to get you hooked on, on nicotine here. And then, you know, when you're dying, we'll, we'll take care of you. Just like yeah. have lifetime customer. Oh, fuck them guys, man. And it's not tobacco in itself that's that's addictive. You know, Native Americans were smoking tobacco long before we were. It's, mm-hmm. That's shit that they hydrochloric acid and hydrocyanide and, fucking embalming
4: fluids yeah
1: you know well shrooms are a different story altogether (laughs) even (laughs) the the (laughs) organic stuff's been you
0: know irradiated oh that
3: (laughs) shroom!
1: oh man
2: man
1: man man Man, no no
4: (laughs) since we kind of brung up the medical industry um it's it's safe to say because i know you've said it that that you're you're basically an end-of-life patient um i guess is a way to to describe you like there's there's no coming back from what you have now your doctors in knowing that are let's say if you're like listen you know i'm in fucking pain I'm, i'm getting basically what i'm i'm trying to get to here is the opiate crisis and how doctors have cut people off from opiates if you yourself going through all the shit that you are are having to go through Would a doctor deny you opiates on the if they want to call it the fear of you becoming addicted or whatever you know which it 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 fucking blows me away Ah. that somebody that could could be diagnosed and say you know you're you're end of life you've got five years or whatever for them to tell you no um, I have a problem with that.
1: Well, some of it stems back to the doctors that I've had. Some of it stems from the fact that Washington State has the tightest prescription laws in the country.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, this hospital here was like a candy store, man. You could walk in there with a sprained ankle, and they were going to throw, you know, thirty in at you with a, sure. with a script for thirty more. You know, when you get out yeah and um they don't do that anymore they can't do that anymore Mm -hmm. you know the fda and and the doj said no you know they are scrutinized yeah they really are um i take non-narcotic anxiety medicine and i take a non-narcotic muscle relaxer when i need to yeah um unfortunately if it doesn't stay in my system then after a couple of days i start getting really stiff yeah the doctor i have now he's like i really don't feel comfortable prescribing you muscle relaxers on a long-term basis um (laughs) nor your anxiety medication you know and i he's acquiesced on 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 my uh visceral um Simply because if I have an anxiety attack, then everything else is going to go out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, controlling my anxiety is, is critical to keeping breathing right. You know, um, anxiety spike, my heart rate will jump to 135, 140.
4: You know, yeah um, i mean to, to me yeah i mean those two yeah. go hand in hand uh anxiety attacks feeling like you're having a heart attack being yeah. short of breath um, right hyperventilating and things like that it looks like of of mm-hmm. all people you would be the one that that they would say yes we're going to give you some type of uh, benzo medication to to help you calm down when needed you know it, um, i can get on daily paleo okay, okay. yeah. care. And
1: that's different than just a straight-up doctor. They're kind of like, um, okay, well, you're creeping up. They're, they're pre-hospice. You know, they've, they've got a different set of guidelines that they can follow. Um, right. So I'd be, I'd be a, a allowed to have more of a, of a um, say in what I would like to have done and they would listen to me more from the compassionate side than the medical side, you know, um, because I looked at my doctor the first day we met, and I and when he said that I have a problem with muscle relaxers and anxiety mixed, <laughs> I just looked at him and he said, "Why?" He goes, "Well, I don't need you to become addicted." And I said, "I'm fucking dying, bro." Yeah, that's, that's what priorities. <laughs> that Why well, I'm going to become a drain on society, you know. <laughs>
4: dude i can barely get out of my
1: fucking chair
4: <laughs> you yeah. know yeah exactly I, I,
1: oh god
4: you know oh I, there was a doctor here in west virginia that cut my grandfather off um he had had him um it, it was just on hydrocodone you know like a, a five milligram uh loratab yeah um for 14 years had had him on that and he never once asked to go up to a seven five or a ten or anything like that yeah and um uh, he gave him a drug test after this particular doctor um, was having some family issues. His mom was sick. He was an Indian doctor. He flew out of the country and because of the way that they have the laws here um, you can't call in uh, uh, any type of scheduled narcotic. Um, It has to be an actual paper uh, prescription and he was gone. So my grandpa had went over five days before that drug test without having anything or or you know having an assistant i remember when they called to uh, cancel his appointment i was like well listen you know he gets a narcotic monthly like what are we supposed to do and the receptionist was like i mean if he gets bad take him to the emergency room and i'm like a fucking 91 92 year old man really long story short they gave him that drug test and you know opiates are you know 72 hours and they could be out of your system and yeah. he was clean and they cut him off after being on uh opiate for 14 fucking years yeah and i had to you're watch t- you know taking your medicine yeah yeah which yeah. Is bullshit so i had to watch a, a man in his 90s go through fucking withdrawals and dude it was it was fucking horrible um Nah, that'd be you know, it, it, yeah, it was one of those situations to where the doctor was basically like, well, I could lose my license. And I'm like, motherfucker, they are going to make a goddamn exception. You know, they're not going really to yeah. come in, go through your fucking records, find out this shit. And I was trying to tell him anyway, I was I like, listen, you know, you were out of the fucking country. What was he supposed to do? Well, right. it's not my problem. You know, that's just the the way that um. They fucking handled it. Well, it's not not me. Go fuck yourself, more or less. Yeah, <laughs> it's all kind yeah of no, up, I'm not. Yeah.
1: I'm not into that. That's you know, and here, you know, uh, we run into another asset. Washington is a recreational legal state.
4: Right, right.
1: You know. And if we're being honest, doctors don't like prescribing people that take marijuana. You know, they just don't. Um, yeah. One of the reasons is that THC does actually interfere with the uptake of certain chemicals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's the way that the brain works, you know, and to overcome that, they have to prescribe a little bit stronger than otherwise would be necessary. I can appreciate that. Yeah. It's the same time, you know, you've got a guy in my position, you know, that really I've been taking this stuff for years, you know, and if I say my shit hurts, it's, it's hurting, you know, and I need a little bit of something stronger.
2: Mm-hmm. No, nope,
1: not going to get it. Nope, not going to get it. Not going to get it. Your past, your past medical history says you've been, you know, in long-term rehab, been addicted yeah. to this, this, this. And so you're going to let my past records effect and you've done how many uas on me and how many you know
4: yeah exactly
1: oh i i joked with uh, one doctor and they wanted a ua i said uh oh you know, you're literally going to find caffeine nicotine thc and water yeah you know that's what's going to be there and uh, she said well we found meth in your system i said that's impossible and she says why that why is that and i said i haven't done that for 14 and a half years you know this was years ago i haven't yeah, touched yeah. that shit since uh um uh, 2000 you know, 20 years and uh she's like well let me go check oh yeah we do okay
4: let's that's mixed up you know yeah well one i have an issue with the fucking cup test anyway there's a 60 percent false positive false negative fucking rate on the just the piss in the cup test and they use those things for fucking job applications you know it's
1: it's a witness test that they
4: do yeah
1: you know um if you want to get uh if you want to get specific you need to do a a blood draw in centuries Mm -hmm. the reason why job sites and stuff like that don't do that it's because they're about four times more expensive than oh yeah fitness tests you know and i don't know about you but i don't think employers are too keen on spending you know 400 500 bucks on a budget exactly. for a in- prospective employee that's mm-hmm. it's not smart business better off getting the 1995 you know, quick test kit from fucking walmart yeah you know whatever uh, those things are not reliable at
4: all. Not at time. all. Yeah, <clears throat> <You know>, it's. <laughs> I did. There was a instance I had to go to uh to the emergency room um years ago. It was when I was still heavy. Um, you know, I used to weigh close to four hundred pounds, and <laughs> I was having uh, I guess some heart issues. Um, they. Ended up admitting me then, but my blood pressure was 220 over 118 when I'd got to the hospital and they were freaking the fuck out. And, uh, Why did you not have a stroke? I, did, I, I have no You're idea. Cute, but huh? I, yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember my psychology teacher, um, when I walked in the room, he's like, Man, you don't look good. And I'm like, Dude, I, I don't feel good right now, you know. And, and he was all like, Uh, you need to go get checked out. And, and so that's when i went, but I was, you know, cold sweats, I, dude. I was this fucking pale white. And I'd got there and they, they started, you know, uh, hooked me up to the monitors and shooting dive in, in my stomach. And, uh, <clears throat> it was, it was funny. Like, I as far as marijuana goes, I'm the type that, you know, I might smoke three or four times a year. And, um, I'd smoked, I guess a, a week or two before that. And they were running, you know, they kept asking, are you doing math, cocaine, things like this? And I'm like, no, no, not at all. You know, I'm like, uh, my urine should be clean. And uh, the doctor came in and he closed the door and he's all like, uh, well, you know, we, we got your drug test back. And I was like, okay. And he's like, so there was THC in your system. And I'm like, oh, god damn, dude. I was like, Yeah, I completely forgot. I, I smoked a week or two ago. And uh, but he was trying to to tell me that if I needed help, that that they could fucking yeah. help me <laughs> <and> everything over. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, it's marijuana. I'm like, yeah, I smoke uh, a few times a year, and I completely fucking forgot about it. If I would have thought of it, I would have told y'all. I said, but the marijuana is not not the reason my heart's fucking racing, right? right. Uh, with right. Just a
0: statement. I smoked, you know, weed a few weeks ago, and haven't since. Is a clear sign that you don't have a problem with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, I smoked weed a couple of weeks ago, and not since.
4: Yeah. Sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, you're suffering from violent withdrawals, aren't you? Yeah, I uh, know. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just the way the medical community—you know—the doctors themselves are so fucking brainwashed uh, well, on certain things.
1: Older doctors,
4: yeah, yeah. Older yeah. doctors, yeah.
1: But but you got to think, you know, if you got if you got a doc that's, you know, fifty-eight years old, right? You got to think about the culture that they came in, man. That yeah. was the whole of madness. Yep. You know, drug, you know, that's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons why the DEA put marijuana on the schedule one narcotics list. And that's a rant for a whole different oh, show. Oh yeah. Oh, Ooh, that just gets my back up. <laughs> but uh the doctor that I have, he's actually for <laughs> medical marijuana, and he's surprised that it hasn't, it hasn't come down sooner. And here's the thing. The Marijuana Tax Act prohibited any school other than the the University of uh, Mississippi, I think, or the museum. I think it's Mississippi, um, is the only place that is allowed to test marijuana on the federal level. Really? Yeah. Um, you would think somebody like, someplace like, I don't know, Colorado State. Yeah, exactly. Washington State University, who we smoked in the last Cannabis Cup, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, these, these are the places, Washington State, State University is the place that came up with a strain that the federal government uses for their cancer patients. Right. You know that there's a reason why they call it Kim Dog. You know, but until it comes off of that, until it comes off of that uh, schedule one list, nobody's going to want to touch it, and it's been kicked yeah. around in Congress for decades now.
4: Yeah, and I I still don't understand what the the holdup is. Quit oh, well, saying
1: it, just fucking do it. It's
4: yeah, that simple. My personal opinion it is-, is it comes back to the lobbyist, the the big pharmaceutical company lobbyists that are coming in there, and since you can't patent uh, something natural like that, like you know the THC, that's where Maranol. the comes in.
5: Yeah, Maranol. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That shit mm-hmm. is a fucking joke.
4: Joke, oh, yeah. joke. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. West Virginia, they they pass medical or legalized medical marijuana here uh back around 2016 2017 i think and it's still not up and running distribution Um, issues well banking issues distribution issues and the way that they wrote the laws they're already fucking primitive because it it, like the flower is not something that you know you're not supposed to be able to to combust the flower to use it um, so they wanted it in a pill form or an oil form or you know something like that but they didn't want it to where you could use a combustible product i think even on vaping uh the thc there was an That's issue yeah it's 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 fucking stupid it's, uh, it's like you can yeah. have it but you can't smoke it yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so it's
0: or you can have it but you can't buy or sell it yeah right so right my state was for a while
1: you know uh, what Oregon is actually kind of hate that fucking state <laughs> <laughs>
3: kind of <laughs>
1: no argument here man and I live like literally four minutes from the border I could just I go buy my smokes from Oregon
2: mm-hmm.
1: no taxes um, Oregon is in the state are contacting the heads of financial institutions. Because farms are having farms and dispensaries are having to do their banking in cash. They don't yeah. want credit. You know, it's like that that, oh, that stigma is still there. Mm-hmm. You know, pot's a dirty drug. You know, we don't want to be associated with that. You know, so they are working out deals where, you know, they can take farms money and issue you know, company credit cards. Farm names and stuff like that, you know. Um, but they've been talking about that for five years, and I haven't yeah. seen any
4: any action
1: on that whatsoever. And I follow a lot of those organizations, you know.
4: Yeah, I mean, kind of the same thing here with West Virginia's and I, I think the excuse that they use as far as the banking goes is since it is illegal federally, Rico. And yeah, then yeah, exactly. But then you have you know banks that are uh, mm-hmm. insured by the FDIC. Yeah, um, that's where the fucking problem comes, and they have to find loopholes to work around that.
1: So my know. question is this: How come they won't take a pot farm money, but they will more than happy take a pharmaceutical company's money? Yeah, no, I agree. I but agree. The I system's agree.
0: rigged. Yeah, there's your answer. It's <laughs> the know. system's rigged. Yeah it doesn't obey logic we, we didn't, we didn't go to sense.
3: afghanistan for the uh, for nothing all right we, we, yeah the, 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 those poppy plants came made their way back over here
4: yeah oh. that's yeah, that's a whole other fucking ball game right there oh, The yeah. uh, opium wars and the shit going on from there but yeah, yeah. that's uh that's a thing that's been going on for Oh, since the East India trading company. Yeah. I, I don't even know how far that shit dates. Yeah. Back. That goes what, back. When, when were you in the military? What years did you serve? 92 to 98. That was a whole another ball game back then. I'd bet that's, that's, uh, uh don't ask, don't tell era. And, uh, yeah. The, the, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: don't ask, don't tell was just a thing. Um, Joe Sargent could get in your face. You know, uh, there were days that I looked forward to. The, the worst I would hear was uh, uh, the best thing to happen to you is a shit that slid down your mom's leg <laughs> when you were born. Uh, yeah, it was ruthless. When I started the ETS, or when I saw my first stress card um oh yeah yeah the yeah. stress
3: cards yeah. Yeah. oh oh yeah, I, have, I have a i have a cousin a younger cousin who went into the to the military and you know the army's all co-ed now and you get your three stress cards a day and i mean they've just pussified everything oh so. my god uh fort Campbell,
1: in kentucky
3: hey um, uh real quick yeah my my old man uh my old man was uh 101st Airborne Infantry Division at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. So, uh,
1: yeah, they uh, the post commander asked actually asked the 101st Airborne to take off their combat patches and their airborne wings because the new recruits didn't have them and they were feeling left out. Like, Motherfucker, I earned those. <laughs> I ain't taking them off for nobody. Do you understand? Nobody. <laughs> no
0: <laughs> it's not even that's worse than everybody gets a trophy yeah Shit.
1: that's like, that's, no. that's ten times more offensive
3: than everybody gets a fucking trophy. You,
2: you, you
1: ask a combat airborne veteran to take off his patching wings I guarantee you the least of your worries is getting punched in the mouth <laughs> <laughs> not happening not happening stress rise that was bad I trained two female two females on on the gun line. And when I got in, females weren't even allowed on the gun line without a, without an escort. No females in a combat MOS, you know? And artillery is not, it's not a light job. There's, you know, even light rounds are 80 pounds. No heavy ones are six man lifts. And that's if you can lift 200 pounds.
3: What's uh what's some of the most uh I, I guess I'd say what's some of the most interesting uh stories you have from your military days? Just goofy um, shit, you know, crazy shit, whatever. Scary shit. I was in
1: uh Fort Carson, Colorado. With the uh more the ninety seventh field artillery. And uh do you know what a pop and no tick is? Uh no I don't like with a rifle like you hear the shot yeah. but you don't feel a recoil yeah okay well the reason why you don't feel a recoil is because the slug didn't leave the barrel yeah
3: okay. it's a it's a squid like a squib load.
1: yeah yeah okay. yeah well, we had a pop and no kick with a fucking house around. oh fuck
5: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, we were using a point detonating fuse, which is basically point of impact, right? it's a three square explosive. so it's um, about sixty five pounds of dynamite, thirty pounds of steel, and a little bit of c four for the in, uh, initial charge, right The nice thing is howitzer rounds don't arm themselves until they completely use the barrel. there's a there's a RPM limit that they have to reach before the, the fuse kicks in, right? The bad news is <laughs> it was about eight inches from the end of the barrel. The only way you can't force a round out through the breach, you actually have to force it backwards to match the spiral, right? Otherwise, you run into a mess of issues. But the only way to do that is to take this steel freaking thing that's shaped like a nose cone with six foot aluminum shafts and eight guys slamming on the ground up with this freaking thing. It looks like a giant Q-tip that's 20 feet long, pounding on this round that you do not know if it's armed or not, right. sitting Jesus in surprise. a machine on top of 125 gallons of diesel, And it's got 10 rounds and 400 pounds worth of powder in it. 15 feet from a brick, it's got 200 rounds, 200 gunpowder charges, a bunch of freaking primers, and it's sitting on 250 gallons of diesel. Fun times! (laughs) Twice I've had to do that. And the whole time, if you got a good crew, it can take thirty minutes. If it's sitting tight, take an hour and a half. Um, it feels like an eternity because your ass is clenched so tight
2: that you're not <laughs> going to pull a
1: needle out of it with a bulldozer. Turn coal <laughs> into diamonds in thirty seconds. <clears throat> so bad, so bad. I watched another guy get his foot run over by the uh 548 it's a uh vehicle that i use the m54881 and uh caused so much back pressure on on his foot that what was left of it i watched blow out the back of his combat boot wow you
5: know (laughs) and
1: they're not steel toed they're kevlar toed so it, it takes some pressure that was gnarly um There was a guy in my unit, not in my section, but my unit. His arm slipped and uh, went into the breech while he was loading the powder. The uh, assistant gunner unlocked the the breech lock, and the breech block is weighs about four hundred pounds. It's made of uh, tungsten steel. And uh, it came back so quick that it whopped his arm off at the elbow. And it was so and quick that he didn't even realize that it was gone. Pulled the lanyard, and that's when he realized that, hey, you know, my arm was not off on the handle like it should have been. At that point, it was too late. His arm is already 27,000 meters downrange. range. Um, that was pretty gnarly. It's all over the freaking place. You know, this guy's bleeding out in his house. Or, yeah, that was, that was spooky. And uh, the safety breeze for weeks.
3: <laughs> Is that, uh, was that from the, uh, you know, cause I know, I know, like, uh, I've I've known some people who are tankers, you know, in the military and, uh, you know, sometimes they, uh, have an issue where they, uh, you know, they're they're doing a, a vacuum load, you know, and sometimes yeah. if, if you if you aren't careful, it could suck you in, like trying to do the vacuum. Well load. what it
1: what had happened, the only way that breach is coming close is if you push up on a big lot, and it literally you gotta push up on it, it's on some serious springs. What had happened is the AG had dumped down so that the uh section chief could check his check his number and check to make sure he was on the bubble right and when he stood back up his shoulder he caught that breech lock and unlocked it while the guy still had his hand in the and the breech load and the powder didn't know it until the fire mission was over i mean it came off that fast and that clean um they give you this book it's it's the uh I call it tactical operating procedures for the M109A4 uh, self-propelled howitzer group. Right? Call it a dash in. It should be the 14 million things on this thing that will fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it You gotta take 16 hours of hazmat training to use the call, uh, the aiming device because it has uh, potentially harmful levels of, of uh, teridium. <laughs> okay so you knock it over you get radiation poisoning cool <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah i mean don't they don't they shoot like uh like depleted uranium rounds and stuff in artillery as well
1: oh well, i don't know about that uh i played with various high explosives um a couple of different sizes of white phosphorus rounds um, we call them smurf rounds they're Blue little in training rounds, you know, just meant to really give you the idea of firing. Um, only once did I get to shoot a wrap round, uh, Copperhead. Uh, that was fun as fuck. Um,
4: what, what exactly is that? Yeah, say for the people that know,
1: it's a rocket assisted projectile, is basically there is no gunpowder, it's a rocket. Uh, um, you put it in and uh, you load everything else up except the gunpowder. Um, the whole thing is fired by a, a primer. It's about the size of a 410 shotgun shell. Yeah. Um, causes the reaction. The, the rocket kicks off. Uh, standard powder on a high explosive round, you're looking at maybe 26,000 meters. With a rocket assisted projectile, you're looking at more of 30 miles. Wow! <laughs> uh, um, wow! <laughs> they use they use uh, copperheads for uh, anti tank. They're laser guided, so you actually have a forward observer on the ground painting this painting a uh, tank with yeah, a laser. Yeah. You know, and here comes this 155 millimeter bolt of death. <laughs> you know, you're done, son. It's uh, it's the uh, TNT equivalent of 105 pounds. And it's got two ounces of C (laughs) four as a supplemental charge. There is area denial artillery munitions. There's uh, two styles of that. There's quick, and then there's super quick. The quick is a 12 hour delayed fuse on a bouncing Betty pattern, and the uh, the uh, quick is
3: bouncing bouncing Betty. It's it's meant to
1: deny like roadways for enemy convoy you know imagine you're an enemy convoy and you just passed over you know say it's 600 freaking six ounce bouncing betty projectiles and they all launch at the same time
0: jesus
3: christ terrifying
1: yeah you done one
3: bat one bouncing betty's enough like
2: <laughs> well yeah and
1: then you, you just the uh shell itself doesn't explode but it ejects these these basically burrowing mines in a pattern, and then just flies off and lands wherever. Um, there's shit, white phosphorus, which is just basically death in a can. You know, zero to 10,000 degrees in the blink of an eye, and it burns as long as there's oxygen. Willy Pete, baby. Willy yep, Pete. It's gnarly stuff, man. Gnarly stuff. And they've never been used, although they are they are available. It is a it is a six man lift, small yield, tactical nuclear warhead. <laughs> um, yeah, you fire one out of the out of the, even the Paladin, the whole the whole track. You got It's deadline. It can't be used again. There's so much pressure <laughs> that it actually blows the barrel off of the off of the chassis. Um, all. Everything inside is pretty much cooked. There's a 50-foot lanyard that you hook up to the trigger system, so you don't have to be in the track when (laughs) it goes off. Um, Yeah, my job was really fun. But again, I probably would have signed up again if uh, it got to the point where the EPA told us where we could and couldn't shoot, where we could and couldn't put our projectiles very good and good and dry, um, and ridiculous fines. Like if uh, a couple of drops of oil got on the ground and you didn't bag it, and gag it, you could you could be pit. The fines could be astronomical. You know, um, we have seems, to protect it the wildlife.
4: Like, it seems like y'all need to just take and uh, aim those uh, those fucking barrels right over to the EPA's building. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we I'm sorry. Didn't, we, what we, did, we did you say? We didn't there say are...
2: that. We
1: didn't say. No one <laughs> yeah. heard that. No, just show wherever you weird. want. There are 15, <laughs> there are 1,580 self-propelled guns in the United States Army alone, and those range from my babies like the Paladins, right, to the MLRS systems, and those configurations are just brutal. I, I don't know much about them. It's not it wasn't my job now uh mlrs
3: mlrs that's a multi-launch rocket system
1: is that yeah 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 Yeah. like they they have everything from a small tomahawk up to piranhas um they used them in desert storm and desert shield as uh patriot batteries the anti-scud batteries they're they're gnarly systems i want one (laughs) that um
3: Man, have you ever seen like the uh, licks that the engineers use to clear railways with?
1: Yeah, in fact, we we had a we had an occasion of, and uh, they wanted to put in a new firing range. My battery was already on a field exercise anyway, so uh, the Army Corps of Engineers got permission, and uh, instead of them going in with bulldozers and and all that crap, we just laid down some suppression fire for a few minutes and nuked the place in third world status the only thing <laughs> they had to, the only thing they had to do was go in with bulldozers to clear out the rubble you know the the firing range was built inside of a week instead of months yeah it, it was fun yeah yeah we caused the seismographs to go off maximum rate of fire for those weapon systems is six rounds a minute for six minutes right so think about that in six minutes that's 36 rounds of high explosive ordnance per gun and a battery has six guns
4: yeah
1: (laughs) yeah we tore up some real estate that day
4: (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it amazes me just what uh, – uh, oh, shit. I can't think of the fucking uh, Tannerite can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's we, we play with it here. Um, my brother-in-law, we took him for the first time uh, uh, four or five weeks ago. Uh, he's, he's from Germany and um, yeah. lives in North Carolina now, but there's no – like gun ranges or anything that that you can mess with that stuff you know down in the charlotte area so this was kind of the first time him being up here in the mountains and uh he got to shoot some of that and blow it up but i mean just two pounds of tannerite buckled a 55 gallon barrel drum that we we had it sitting on top of you know and for one for that stuff to be legal kind of blows me away i mean because you could buy it in fucking bulk and mix that shit up and deal with it but it's what? dusty dusty have you ever yeah. seen
3: that channel back in the day fps russia yes. yeah oh yeah, yeah 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 where he where yep. he filled the fucking uh refrigerator full of tannerite and then yeah like, <laughs> it blew yeah. like
4: fucking yep. 300 yards back and I like, know. holy yeah. shit dude. dude i've i've saw uh vehicles uh, filled with you know like 20 pounds of it and then uh like uh there's one video I'd watched of uh like a, a shed or a building and I don't know how much, but it wasn't a ton or anything that they put in there, you know, 15, 20 pounds or whatever, blew that fucking shed to pieces. And I'm just like used, yep
1: used America. Used to, yeah, we used to uh for and giggles, like if we were doing a once a year you have a battery competition, right? It's a, it's a, it's a whole battalion exercise, you know, and battalions freight and the batteries on several performance issues. So well, that's fine. Um, one of those exercises, the forward observers, FD, uh, the fire direction center and the gun line are directly responsible for teamwork. Um, that is to put a round as, Far downrange as humanly possible within safety standards and, and Army standards, and get it as close to a thirty-three gallon trash can as you can. <laughs> <laughs> From thirty-six thousand meters, me and my crew were able to put three out of three. Really? Damn. Yeah, yeah. We had a really Damn. we had a really good FTC and Damn our forward observer unit was shit hot. They would put us anything within a hundred meters is considered a direct hit for artillery. Yeah. And, yeah. So you putting it in the middle of a 33 gallon trash bag bag.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: whatever. Trash can, a little rubber made ones. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, shout and out to my did, uh
3: shout out to my yeah. dad real quick in chat
2: yeah, Arky Ranger. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um every once in a while we get uh cleared to uh pull a tango Bravo mission. We dunk a teddy bear and uh break three and send it through the barrel instead of actually having to punch it (laughs) Yeah, burn the carbon out instead of cleaning it out yeah yeah um range control didn't like i was doing it because it was really hard to tell where that teddy bear was gonna land and whether or not it was gonna be on fire but uh for the few seconds that that thing came out the, the howitzer looked like Freaking flamethrower, man! Shush, oh. shush. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah! Lit up the night, especially with six guns doing that. Like, yeah, America,
4: America!
5: <laughs> hey, uh, uh,
4: I know you've listened to our show some, and and we're more. I mean, we we touch on political conspiratorial topics. Uh what do you think about the current political climate that we're dealing with right now?
1: Well if I'm being honest, with the last few weeks have uh I've been saying, you know, I think there's honestly a part of me that's hanging on until the first shot of the second revolutionary yeah. starts.
4: Um, if that gives you any idea. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I could I could agree with you. I know exactly where you're going with it, man. It's um it's horrible and yeah. it spans.
1: Nobody is in here. Both sides of the aisles have fucked this up for the last 30 years and yeah. it's got to stop. It's just got to stop.
4: I agree 100%. You know, I mean, the, the biggest thing over the last week that's been coming out is uh, just. Uh, the blatant infringement on our first amendment rights and yeah. what the administration is doing with uh even going as far as our own personal sms text messages on what they consider uh mis and disinformation i'm, I'm fucking mad out.
3: i'm mad about that shit dude I'm, i am that too.
4: that
1: man there's um there's um Legitimacy to what they're trying to pull. I'm not trying to defend the government. I I I love this country. I am ashamed of my government. You know, I didn't sign up to protect those schools. You know, that's not what I enlisted about. I I enlisted about the country. There is some legitimacy to what they are trying to do, but they are trying to do it completely the wrong fucking way. Mm -hmm. Doing it this way, they 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 appear to be tyrannical lunatics you know and and anybody that agrees with with them is i i'm at a loss don't know what to tell you you know keep drinking the kool-aid bro it's doing you well
4: yeah i think that they they've lost uh you know what the meaning of a uh what what they're supposed to be doing here i guess yeah, you is know this way it's it's they're not representing us they're representing their own personal needs now um it's I think the, their interest yeah it's it's it's, it's their it's own interests. In, interest. yeah you know, I, and
1: uh i hate it when the media calls them lawmakers they're not lawmakers if they were actually sit down and read how they were supposed to do their jobs yeah then i really don't think we would be in such a freaking mess that we are right. well, they took it upon themselves to really uh, i don't remember the exact date but when congress voted to lim- term limit the president to two and and didn't ten- limit themselves mm-hmm. chiefly because they could not you know the only way that you can you can uh turn limit congress is by uh, if they voted in themselves you know they or no. by a convention of the states so, again, I, I'll, I'll urge anybody, you know, beg your governor or your congressman for, uh, for a convention of the states. They need 37 is all that's needed to, to determine in Congress. And I think you'd see a lot of these problems. It won't disappear overnight. Right, It might not even disappear in five years. But you get people like Biden. Biden's been a president since before I, or uh, been in Senate. Since before I was born, I was born Mm -hmm. in seventy two. Yeah, you know he's never been the
0: president. Yeah,
1: been sitting. (laughs) Pelosi. I I I like calling Vice President Biden. Former Vice President. President Biden time. That's all he's doing right now. (laughs) Yeah, right. But uh, Pelosi, you know, she's been in since the eighties. Jesus Christ! that's the crypt keeper. Yeah, and to give you an idea, (laughs) Clinton. Hillary Clinton was an intern during Watergate.
0: Yeah, she was on the the uh, committee yeah. to investigate it.
1: Yeah. So that tells you how long she's been around. Yeah. You know that's a problem.
3: She kind of used problem. to be pretty hot back in the day, back in college. as, as weird as that is nope. to believe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Threw up in my throat a little. <laughs>
3: dog wow. dude look at yeah. look at old pictures of her look at old
1: pictures no. of her that kind no. of evil just... i'm i've been blessed with the gift of sight and i'd like to keep it <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but yeah That's you know you, you got one. you got a bunch of stale old people up in there you know thinking they know what's best you know and their dementia is starting to show and they're not really doing it that great of a job covering it up
3: yeah no know?
0: Was, ah, <laughs> no, just, just, like, just look at Biden. Ramble, ramble, every ramble. day all day <laughs> just every time he gets up in front of a camera
3: yeah, that's peer dementia that's all that is <laughs> yeah. Ozzy Osbourne
1: would be hard pressed to decipher <laughs> Biden's <laughs> conversation <laughs>
0: like I got what Ozzy was going at with this guy it's just he's answering the wrong questions um, you know he got his list list mixed up
1: Yeah, yeah there's just there's there's some, there's some version that needs to be done. And unfortunately, there there it looks to be only one option, and it's not good. Yeah. And I've been asked, I've been asked, well, what happens if the military gets involved? And that, you know, any commander that would, that would order his soldiers to open fire on unarmed civilians, that goes, exa- there are few times that somebody can yeah, straight up disobey a, a direct order, and that's if it violates any of the Code of Conduct, if it violates any of the Soldier's Code, or it violates the UCMJ. Firing on unarmed civilians, yeah. falls in the UCMJ, Code of Conduct, and the Soldier's Creed. Or you even mm-hmm.
0: firing at
4: armed American civilians?
1: That's a gray area, though.
4: Yeah, well, you know, uh, one where you say gray area, you know, we had 9-11 happen and then we had an invisible enemy come over or, or not, not come over, but we had an invisible enemy that we were supposed to be fighting and that was fucking foreign terrorism. And that's all we heard about was terrorism, terrorism, terrorism. If you look at what they're doing right now, they're coining uh, the term domestic terrorism and that's getting thrown around a lot right now. And it's it's more the, the politically conservative or the people that, that you would classify yeah. as right the, or the right. The, but no, the actual
0: non-domestic terrorists. Yeah. The, all of their domestic terrorists. Yeah,
4: but it's, it's the way that they use uh, their language, I guess. Uh, or they, they fucking change terms and definitions almost in real time now. But like I said, you'll notice you're you're seeing the term domestic terrorism a lot right now and i think it just goes into that uh that pre-programming that they do um to whereas is they're trying to work somebody up
1: yeah there there is that there yeah but at the same time you know do you uh as a soldier if i was deployed in a martial law situation Mm -hmm. You know, and and let's say I was I was, was posted up in West Virginia somewhere. You know where a lot of the domestic terrorism happens. You know mm-hmm. that whether those Proud Boys or whatever the hell they are, you know just a good old boys that have got guns. Yeah, you know? yeah. that's what it amounts <laughs> to, right? If I was deployed in a martial law situation and I saw somebody coming at me with a gun, unless they started throwing shots, I could not fire. I, right. Me personally, I couldn't do that. You know, They haven't made a, they haven't made a show of aggression. They're just armed. Mm-hmm. You know? But the second that weapon comes into a firing position, I'm putting one in your chest, bro.
0: That's even a violation of the rules of engagement, and my knowledge comes from the movie Rules of Engagement. <laughs> <Live> <laughs> of movie. You actually have to take live fire,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Samuel Jackson
0: take... and like Mogadishu or something. Well, I mean, I, I they couldn't I don't know, fire man, back I... until they were fired upon
3: i don't i don't think that's that's a reality dude because i mean even with the regular civilian police you point a gun at a police officer regardless if you're if you're firing it or not you're gonna get fucking yeah. Shot and killed. Yep. yeah yeah and i would even, i would even, not blame one of them military the military boys rules. one fucking mean, bit for shooting nope. back in that situation you make like, a
1: show like, of hostility to yeah. somebody in a, in a in a martial law situation now, that's that's key to keep in mind you know it yeah you make an act of aggression expect to get aggressed
3: well and you also have to keep in mind during a martial law situation you actually forego constitutional rights as well during a a martial law situation so
1: yeah you have what rights we give you yeah (laughs) and and unfortunately i've been in one of those situations you know and uh it's no joke people get scared you know and you have to you have to say you know look i'm not here to hurt you i'm here to do my job yeah help me do my job don't make me hurt you because if you do i will (laughs) you know uh unfortunately i had to shoot a guy we weren't allowed to shoot to kill we could shoot to maim Need to say, this guy had got both of his fucking knees blowing out with an M-16. Um, we had to open up on a guy that tried to blow by our, our checkpoint twice. Well, wow. they you know, you may want to send an ambulance. We don't know if we hit him. Just kept driving off.
4: Down I think the road. We
3: just, uh, I think we just lost Hammer.
4: Yeah, he'll probably show back up. Unless I don't, are they having storms up there? I know we were talking about thunderstorms last night.
3: Ah, there uh, he is. There he like is.
4: There um, he is. Eric, what's the weather like your way, man, up there? You're battling Dude. the heat wave right now, right? I we,
0: This massive storm system just hit um, thunder and lightning outside. So I was going to warn you guys earlier. You I was like, had- oh, by the way, a storm's coming in. I might lose internet. <laughs> there we go. We have oh, had
1: measurable rain in quite some time. I gotta say, There's this is this 8 to this... 6, and it's 82 fucking degrees. This, this, and, fucks uh, my, uh, this fucks my
3: production up a little bit, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, this is a mess. <laughs>
0: like, that, that
3: just screwed all kinds of shit up. It's... So so that's that's all
4: good you, you can see my green screen on the uh yeah that's what, <laughs> yeah, said. That's Every, what reality everything looks like. yeah, this just is... got shit on dude like yeah, uh, the illusion people... is shattered yeah exactly this is what it looks like on my end guys i got a big old <laughs> uh, this is what yeah. happens you,
5: you
3: right in bro we gotta we yeah.
4: gotta we this gotta is what pre- happened when no
3: carefully done preparation gets unfolded that's <laughs>
0: right well that could happen again at any moment so keep it yeah. in mind
1: yeah well you know i i'm oh. not watching youtube i don't know if there's any questions but
4: oh well uh one i think actually Gnome's dad did ask uh because i think he got in late on the show but he was kind of asking how long do you have because uh, i think we did mention you were into life um with what you're dealing with
1: if i can if i manage to quit smoking Life will suck, but I'll get it. I'll get a few more years. If I keep doing at the pace I'm doing, I got maybe two years, three, maybe. Yeah. Maybe.
4: Well, and I'll just started.
1: I, yeah. If I had a front porch, I'd be uh I'd be uh sitting on it saying, You can't show my
5: lord.
4: <laughs> I'm only 49, you know. Yeah. So Dude, that's young, man. Yeah, uh, it
1: is. And you'd be surprised, man, that that in itself brings up a bunch of freaking hardships. I don't go shopping anymore because I'm partly I'm tired to get looked at like I'm, you know, deprived and fat people of their ability to get around when like I take a scooter. Right. I, I get winded if I walk 40 feet, you know, emphysema is a condition, you know, obesity you can change. You know, or go to park in one of the handicapped spots, you know, and just have some Karen scream at me, you can't park here, you don't have the right. And then when I show them my permit, they're like, oh, that's fake.
4: Yeah. And then I show them so my
1: state issued parking permit license. Yeah. I got a little special license that says, Yeah, this is his permit. So oh, anybody can fake those. Yeah, all right. Shut up. So you know, what's wrong I'm with you? Karen's. I hate Karen's yeah
5: who does it? who the, does it? Who, who the fuck does it <laughs> you
0: know
1: some. i honestly believe that some people shoot off their mouth because they weren't slapped enough Any. i agree,
4: yeah. agree. Right. same
0: goes you didn't get your ass kicked enough when you were a kid yeah,
1: yeah.
3: I, I spent the yeah, person, yeah. first part of my working life in uh in a retail sector doing management and uh it it literally was nothing but dealing with karen's day in and day out all fucking day
2: you know
1: the, the worst type of people you run into these, these military karens <laughs> those are the worst you know i you got some freaking us coming up here you
4: know my <laughs> husband's an easy thing
1: yeah, and my husband's an E6. Respect my rank. Bitch, you don't have any fucking rank here. Defend it.
4: That's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah, my little sister, uh, my brother-in-law, he's in the uh he's in the air force. And uh she worked when they were living in Honolulu on the uh the army base out there, and she's got the yeah. highest civilian rank that you can have um which i'm not sure what that is but um she was working super karen no 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 no. she she wasn't one of those man but what she was doing was like she majored uh she went to johnson wells university in charlotte had some type of uh it was more like a hospitality major not to work in hotels or anything like that but it was like sports management and hospitality or some shit it was some specialized degree but what she was doing was uh, basically planning the uh, like the welcome home parties for the troops that were on deployment when they would come in, and then oh, yeah. um, during the week she would keep uh, like the wives whose husbands were deployed. She would keep them busy by planning shit out. But she, so actually, she was a
1: den mother, mother, and worked for the USO.
4: Uh, I don't know. She. I mean, I, I know she was working for for the army itself and she actually because she was working for the u.s army um I guess their mascot is eddie the eagle um she became a uh, published author because her and i think two other women that she worked with wrote a children's book that was uh, featuring eddie the eagle all oh, right and, and right it kind of was explaining to the kids why their dads were on deployment or, you know, away from them. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, she, she did get to do that.
1: But, but That's rough. That's one thing I was, you know, when I enlisted in I it was the tail end of uh, the Gulf War era. You know, I got, I got an invitation to join the veterans of foreign wars because mm-hmm. it was just like right there, right at the tail end. And had I not, had some problems getting into basic itself things could have been a lot different yeah um i was never deployed you know um, but I, that stuff that it's real it's real man. and it's tough for families of deployed soldiers um and i know of of several guys that really, they were on deployment and married and then they come back from deployment and they've got an empty house they don't can't do this anymore or they uh, get the
3: dear John letter or something of that
1: nature you know yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's sad it really is
3: yeah
2: it's no, definitely hard on
1: families folks like um, that folks like that are are rare and they are very they're very much a blessing to returning returning soldiers yeah they, they help make that transition a lot easier
3: yeah it's definitely so hard it on families there. you know um my my dad's told me a lot of stories of when he was a kid i mean he was you know he it was him and uh three brothers with uh with his mom while his uh his you know my my grandfather was was a green beret during vietnam and uh i think did four or five tours in vietnam um and and you know i mean the kids basically had to grow up with with dad gone and never knowing if he was going to come back or not or whatever else and you know uh my tiny little god bless her you know like five foot four grandmother dealing with four rambunctious fucking boys you know all by herself <laughs> i mean it, it,
1: you that'd, know. Be, that'd be pretty rough. there's you'd be surprised man there's not a lot of gun bunnies that were married you know a lot of us were single We you just had to be and we'd go out to the field for six weeks we'd be back home for two we'd go out for you know four or five weeks and we'd be back for one go out for six weeks, and might be back for three. You know, It's just field training. We're forward combat unit. That's what we do. You know, I knew a few guys that were married, and unfortunately, we went out to the field when we came back. One of the guys that I was training directly under, my chief, uh, came home, found his brother in bed with his wife, wow. and killed them both, and then himself. You know, they'd been married for 22 years. What
3: do you do to that? You know, that's... That has, to be that's the scum, that has to be like the scummiest fucking brother in all of history.
1: <laughs> Dude. Huh. Hunter brother. Biden. Oh. <laughs>
3: yeah, Hunter Biden. Yeah, no, Hunter that's... Biden's really, really riding up there at the top, too.
4: Man, yeah, I can only imagine the stress of... um just being in the civilian world and being being that young because most you know most people enlisting they're young man um but having to worry about uh you know being a newlywed and and being on deployment and gone that long and you know like in in the movie jarhead for example when when the woman sends the uh the video to him he they think they're getting ready to watch deer hunter and it's uh her fucking the neighbor, you know, yeah. and, and that guy just loses his so fucking, fucking shit.
3: scummy, dude. Yeah,
4: yeah, but I mean, having to deal with that shit and then trying to keep your mind on on what you have to do over there, you know, you have a job. And I can only fucking imagine being 15,000 miles away and some shit like that going on or even just having that on the in the back of my head.
1: Yeah, and uh, you're saying, you know, you when uh, I took artillery as an MOS, right? That's, I signed up for it. They offered me a different slot when I got to Fort Silt because of the training batteries were full. And uh, I said, no, you know, I've, I've got my mind made up. And the platoon sergeant that I had, he was like, take a seat, son. We need to have a talk. And he, he looked at me and he said, you do, uh, I said, red legs have the second shortest life expectancy in a combat zone. He said EOD's life expectancy in a combat deployment is eight seconds. He says a 13 Bravo is 13. So he goes, you got to think about, you know, your family. I said, I'm not married. I don't have any kids. You know, um, if my family was holed up with enemy terrorists, I'd ask for a fire mission twice. You know, um, he said, well, that's good because if you get deployed, you're going to be very short So just keep that in mind. And even being uh, that, you know, you got to get rid of the big guns first, you know, that's that's the whole that's the whole thing you know, you take off, you take out the stuff that can hurt you first. You know, um, I didn't care. I didn't care. And these guys that signed up for this MOS, you know, my best friend, had a wife and two kids, twin daughters, you know, um, he ended up falling off the top of the track and breaking his leg to the point where they had to give him a medical discharge, you know, just because he fell off of the track, you know, and that kind of stuff happens all the time. Personally, I think anybody that's in the army when they're married is a fucking idiot. You know, depending on your job. Yeah. Because regardless of your of your independent individual MOS, you're trained to be an 11 Bravo. You're a gun, pure and simple. You have a freaking M4. You are trained how to use it. You're a gun. You're You're a bullet stopper. You know, push comes and shove, you got to defend yourself. And there's only one MOS that doesn't have a weapon, and that's a chaplain. You, know, you can get if you get married inside the service, that's another thing, because your significant other is aware of your duty. They know what to expect. Mm-hmm. You know, but anybody that enlists in the armed service being married, you don't even know what's gonna happen in training. My cycle, four dudes got killed. You know, one, was a freak accident on a grenade range. one was an accident on the uh, on a infiltration range. one was an accident at the uh at a uh, spots range, and another one guy popped out of the foxhole, started taking pop shots as the drill sergeant, and uh, the uh, range security officer lit him up. Wow, wow you know? and so if you go into that with a wife and kid what happens when you die in training you know sure they might be taken care of financially you know you have to sign a life insurance policy you have to write a will how many 18 year olds do you know today are self-composing to actually sit down and write a last will and testament Mm
4: -hmm. fuck i'm 38 and it's something that i'm not (laughs) (laughs) Composed enough to fucking do, right? I'm
3: fuck. I'm 32 and don't have a last will and testament yet. So,
1: so you know, these are these are serious problems that that anybody in listening today is facing, and any kind of any kind of support while the significant other is deployed or even during a pill problem, you know, we don't. We never came back. When we were out in the field, we were out in the field. You know, sure we could see the lights at the base. We didn't go back. You, know? you don't get to go back if you're deployed. Yeah. You know, yeah, and you train like you fight. So when when these when these guys get back from deployment and they have somebody there that can help them transition. While well, maybe not his civilian life, but back to the rear, and at the same time, lend material support to the significant others of those that were deployed. Those people deserve the Congressional Medal of Freedom, and in my opinion, that's angelic. That's that's good work. They deserve to be recognized for doing that, and not enough of them do.
0: Guys, I have medicine to take, and yeah,
1: dreaming to do. It's been fun.
0: Yeah, man, we've been going for a while now. Yeah, yeah dude. Uh, Thanks for joining us,
3: man. You've been an awesome guest. Um, sometimes. Well, in the future, I'd, I'd like to have you on again just to bullshit about some army stories or something yeah. like that, man. If you're willing,
1: yeah, well, you guys have my Discord, get a hold of me,
3: hell yeah. yeah, man. Well, we appreciate you a lot. And uh, if there's anything you want to plug, like maybe places people could get a hold of you, maybe like a Facebook or something um, like that, look or... me up
1: on Facebook, uh, do a search for Eric Hill and uh. The nickname will be uh, Doctor Mangawana, because <laughs> um, I am the Doctor Mangala of marijuana. <laughs> um, ah. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, I can
1: get, I can get way funky. Um, other than that, man, just keep doing what you guys are doing. I like the show. Hell like yeah, the, man! The show, thank About- you
3: we're more than honored man and we really appreciate that, that you came on and took the time out of your day to do this so
1: yeah, <coughs> yeah you guys have a good evening
3: You too. Well, we take it easy it. brother
4: i do kind of want to throw out there uh today is my little brother's birthday so oh fuck him then yeah exactly <laughs> little son of a bitch every year <laughs> Every year, I post a uh, fucking Hulk Hogan, happy birthday, brother, meme mm-hmm. on his fucking Facebook. It's just kind of became one of those things. So he got one of those from me earlier today. I don't know how old he is, but uh, yeah, he's got a birthday. What a new younger brother?
0: Before we get out of here, I want to mention that today I saw two pounds of Tannerite damn near disintegrate a... Uh, barbie jeep power wheels it was <laughs> it was pretty impressive it sent chunks of that thing 400 feet away <laughs> that's really funny. just aged in the sun over a number of years so it was that right kind of brittle oh yeah. gone nice Total blast back in the surrounding grass it was quite quite the sight did not record well, it
3: though <laughs> with that being said uh man we we appreciate everybody coming and stopping by that was our first show with uh our first guest ever and honestly i think it was a, a hell of a banger man eric had a lot of yeah. awesome shit to say uh cool stuff Thanks about the afterlife yeah. um <clears throat> you know cool warning to people who uh who smoke you know you might want to take a take a second look at what uh choices you're making in life and uh
4: as really? as we smoked throughout the entire fucking show, <laughs> no, I, like, I saw <laughs> you. I saw you kind of fucking hiding it a little bit. <laughs> there, <laughs> shit, you know, oh, <laughs> part
0: of me felt stupid, but it's like I'm not quitting smoking.
4: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's... what an
3: asshole.
0: Um,
4: uh, yeah, anyways, I, I saw Eric go through <laughs> some shit over the years, but yeah, Eric's a good guy. I'm glad glad he was uh, able to come on, and took the time to fucking come out and do something with us
3: yeah i mean that that was that was a great first guest and we will probably be one of our best guests we've ever had
0: on the show so. oh yeah so far um, he's the best guest we've ever had on the show well i mean oh, i'm just far. saying like it don't <laughs> it don't, it don't far, matter yeah. i, I think four. even
3: with growth i mean it's uh that that guy's gonna be a, a legend on the show forever so oh, yeah uh, anyways uh everybody we've got instagram we've got twitter we've got all this shit um, go ahead and give us a follow on that, and uh, make sure to hit that bell. Uh, you know, like and subscribe, all that jazz, and uh, share,
4: share it too. Go ahead and get the get the yep. fucking dead trust podcast name out there. <clears throat> Take people to chairs and make them listen. Yep.
3: Just, just shill it. Just. Start How do you boys just...
0: feel about kidnapping?
3: <laughs> 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 With that being said, I'm gnome. I'm Rusty. hammer
4: go with god and don't take any wooden nickels fellas
3: peace out and keep your buttholes tight